Hey everybody, welcome to another fun and an exciting episode of the Ohio Bigfoot Podcast. Part of the OhioBigfootProject.com and the Ohio Bigfoot Research and Investigation Center. <clears throat> and tonight we're going to talk a little bit about winter camping, winter research, and just surviving winter. We're coming up on December, which generally speaking for Ohio is decently mild till about the tail end. And then January and February. February, of course, being probably the worst winter weather month for Ohio when it comes to brutal temperatures. But I very much enjoy winter camping and research, but it does come with risks. You have frostbite, hypothermia, dehydration, windburn, ice cuts, ice burns, snow blind lips, snow blindedness, uh, fatigue, getting lost, whiteout, slipping, sliding, and at one time I even had a very thick fog blank, uh, fog bank come in. It was, and it, I couldn't see anything. I was literally stuck in the woods because there was no point in me moving because I would have never found my way out. I would have just gotten lost. So, I mean, there wasn't snow on the ground, so I didn't have footprints to my own tracks to follow back to the vehicle. So, yeah, I was pretty much just stuck there in the middle of the woods, and I could see about mm, a foot, I think. So, I'm going to look at some ways to survive brutal temperatures while searching for Bigfoot and the evidence left behind. As a bow hunter, one of the biggest challenges I face <clears throat> is getting out of a nice warm bed, <clears throat> driving to the woods, walking a thousand yards or more, and then going to a complete stop and sitting to wait for a deer to pass by. And this can be the same with searching for Bigfoot, as you should have a uh, tendency to move slowly through the woods, looking for evidence as you go. And then not to mention night observations, where you're literally sitting in place. Uh... There are ways to hug the UG, as you have heard me mention earlier in past podcasts. And uh, one thing I like to do or don't do is I don't like to dress up before going out. I want to be at my bare minimum. When I walk through the woods heavily dressed, I get sweaty, which can freeze, thus making me colder. This can also lead to hypothermia. I like to walk out of the house in just my bare essentials, including tennis shoes, with my boots in tow. My winter gear will be in a bag that I try to keep either outside of the vehicle or in the coldest place of the vehicle. 
and then while driving I only keep the heat on the windshield and just high enough to keep it from icing and fogging up and I have my side windows cracked. I do this for two reasons. One, I don't want to get all warm and toasty and then step out of a warm vehicle into the cold. Two, it helps me thermally adjust to keep from sweating and overheating. I mean, if you're driving down the road and you got your heater blowing on your feet and you're wearing insulated boots, your feet are going to get hot, they're going to get sweaty, and then when you start hiking, they're going to get cold and they're going to be wet. So I don't like to wear my hunting boots or anything like that when I'm driving to the woods to go hunting. Once I get to where my starting point is, <clears throat> I will put on my cold boots and I will wear them warm, meaning they'll warm up as I wear them. Uh, the best practice is to immediately start your hike if you if you are hiking or if you're waiting for someone then to walk in small circles around your vehicle if you uh are doing an overnight ops then as you start to get colder you just add a layer and then you add a layer you see you add as you get cold or colder then you start to add layers and you don't feel as cold but you feel a whole lot warmer and better quicker so I walk out of the house in my base layer my pants, my warm socks, my long sleeve shirt. I, I, no, just my base layer, thin socks, tennis shoes. So I begin with one layer, and then when I get there, I'll put my pants on, put my, uh, you know, I might wear sweats or something like that, of course, you know, not just long johns, but I don't use long johns anyways. I use actual base layers. Um, they're, ten times better than long johns no offense to them uh, but yeah I walk out of my house in the bare minimum and then I dress as I go <clears throat> now there are a few things that I like to keep handy and one is a fire starter stick even if you don't actually start a fire and you break one of those in half they burn well enough to keep your fingers warm. Waterproof matches. It's good to have spares. Extra socks. Maybe the aluminum emergency blanket. Paracord. A good camp chopper or hatchet. A stainless steel cups. And a few packs of hand warmers. And hand warmers, I'll discuss... In a later episode but uh if you do use hand warmers don't throw them away keep them i'll explain on another podcast but with just these few basics you have a good staple for a survival shelter you should also have a few granola bars or trail mix i prefer something sweet for a little burst of energy when needed if I'm going camping, I still camp with the essentials, but certain essentials can go a long way. First of all is my tent. 
I prefer an A-frame over a dome for winter camping. A dome tent will deflect wind better, but an A-frame has a sleeker profile, especially if you aim it with the front or the back at the primary wind. Uh, another one that I really like is uh, hammock tents because they get you off the cold ground. But I like camp pads, anything to get, be anything to get between you and the ground. I really like moving blankets from Harbor Freight. They're quilted, they're thick, they're light, and they only cost four ninety nine. I keep two small tarps, slightly bigger than my tent, which two are around five dollars, and I can make my tent thicker. I can add a layer to it. And then I have a military issue four and a half pound wool blanket, a mess kit, toilet paper, and then a fire horn. Back during the time of Western U.S. exploration, in the days of the fur trapper, it was a common practice to carry the horn of a bull much like a powder flask. You would fill it with grasses and twigs, and you would place a hot ember from the morning fire in it, cap the top with just a small pinhole, and that ember would keep all day, so in the evening you had a start to your next fire. Now, I don't do that when I say a fire horn. I don't actually carry a horn of fire, but what I do is I have the uh, waterproof pillbox, the little aluminum with the screw on tap, they make them out of plastic, too. And I like to stuff it full of cotton balls and then soak the cotton balls in Zippo lighter fluid or lamp oil. That way, when needed, I can take it out, just strike a match to it, and it'll burn for a few minutes, long enough to give me a base of a fire. I always have a small first aid kit of antacids, Aspirin or Tylenol. Pepto-Bismol chewables. If there's one thing you don't want outdoors, winter, summer, anytime, is diarrhea. Because that can quickly dehydrate you. So keep Pepto on hand. Then band-aids, antibacterial wipes, gauze, and medical tape. Now, some of the emergencies would be hypothermia. I fell through the ice on frozen lakes while ice fishing more than once, and I've had hypothermia on a deer hunt. All in all, I've had hypothermia in my life about four times, and thankfully I never had it past the stage of confusion. Uh, really, hypothermia in the final stage is almost equal to suicide. Because what happens is, you, for some reason, your brain tells you that you're burning up and you're getting hot when really you're freezing. <clears throat> so instead of trying to keep warm, you just start taking off random items of clothing. Like a watch, or a boot and a sock, or a boot and a sock and one glove, just dumb things, but you expose yourself to the elements because your body's telling you that you're burning up and really you're freezing to death. So if you ever find yourself in cold weather in the woods suddenly being confused, that's like the first sign. 
but you're 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 in immediate danger, but you're not in immediate danger. You just need to act extremely swiftly. First thing to do is remain calm. Secondly, you need to warm up. One way of doing this is to build a fire that will also keep your mind occupied on a single task of building a fire. If you're camping, a good way to warm up is to strip down to your underwear and get in a sleeping bag. And preferably, even better, with a partner. Have them strip down because you're gonna, your body heat's going to save your butt. Sleeping bags are designed to redistribute body heat. If So when you get in a sleeping bag with your clothes on, your clothes actually create a barrier between you and the sleeping bag, and you're not allowing the sleeping bag to do its job properly. By stripping down, your body heat releases into the bag. The bag reflects it back to your body. So you're... Basically, and your socks, you want to take your socks off first and foremost when you get in the bag, but keep a cap on your head if possible. And uh, the final thing you can do is you can get in your sleeping bag and start doing push-ups. Or if you don't have a sleeping bag and you're just hiking, then start doing jumping jacks. Dehydration can occur in the summer or in the winter. And very easily in the winter. A lot of people don't know that. It's pretty easy to combat, though. You just simply stay hydrated. Drink 16 ounces of fluid every hour on the hour while you're hiking, and it should be sufficient. As long as you're not running something like that. Uh, Snow blindness, even the lightest tent sunglasses can do a lot for you. I prefer the goggle style or the ones that really hug your face and keep the wind out. One of the biggest killers is uh, getting lost. As soon as you recognize you're lost, the first thing to do is to stop moving. I will look for the nearest high ground to get up on top of so I have an advantage point. So I can see the layout of the land and look for features that you might recognize. In the hunting world, we have what we call stand tacks. These are small thumbtacks with a reflective face for finding your tree stand in the dark. A few of these in your hiking pack can be very helpful. You place them on the tree front so that you know you want to move past them. If hiking out, you would place them on the back side of the tree so they point you towards your vehicle these will glow even the in the daylight but they are more visible in dark conditions certain apps on your phone help as well especially ones that offer offline maps and allow you to pin waypoints i have an app that's a gps compass and allows you to pin multiple locations and it works offline However, at the end of the day, you just can't beat a good old paper map, and uh, you can even make those from your printer at home. A few things you can do is uh, your practices. In your own backyard, a uh, back patio porch, anywhere, you can work on these skills so that 
you'll be more prepared for when you do go out. One is to wait for a good rainstorm, winter or summer, or a heavy winter snow to come along, and then go out, gather some wood, and practice making a fire with wet wood. You can also bring home dry wood and soak it in a bucket and practice wet fire building. Just start with very small toothpick-like pieces and work your way up. But knowing how to build a wet wood fire is a lifesaver. Just don't push it. A wet fire takes time to build, but it can be done. A good tip for cold weather research is to go any place that has pine trees. I cannot tell you how many times I have crawled under pine thickets to shoot a deer. Wildlife knows that pines provide shelter in bad weather. When in doubt, mimic wildlife. And a small fire under a pine thicket is close to heaven on earth when you're dealing with zero or below zero temps. It blocks the wind out. You can put your emergency blanket over your branch. And yeah, it's just wonderful. When deer season is on... Gun deer season starts the Monday after Thanksgiving. All state parks have non-hunting areas. Uh, Salt Fork State Park is non-hunting around the lodge, the campgrounds, the marina, and the golf course. Although I did win the raccoon hunting trapping lottery for those areas in the park, giving me legal access to those areas overnight from November 11th until March 1st. It's just one of the perks of being an avid hunter. But, yeah, so, the thing with that information, though, is that all that, while deer season is going on, animals are going to do what? They're going to get away from people. This most likely includes Bigfoot as well. So, being as non-hunting areas exist in a state park, those areas fill up with wildlife because there's no hunters in there, because there's no point of a hunter going in there because they can't hunt legally. So, that's a good little tip for you on where to look during and directly after gun deer season. Another one is I carry a mini single burner butane stove with me. Got this at a store for like 20 bucks. Three cans of propane or butane was six ninety nine, and it'll burn for about an hour. You can start a fire with it, worst case scenario, but I like to use it for making coffee you live close to a park or have a yard or your neighbor's yard, practice uh, making emergency shelters out of paracord and an emergency blanket. <clears throat> Keep it low profile, just enough to sit under uh, Native American style. I guess growing up, we called it Indian style, but I'm trying to be politically correct. So sit on your butt legs crossed low to the ground you want both sides pinned to the ground and the back pinned to the ground but the front you want to leave open 
because the front's where you're going to set your fire about three foot in front of the opening and that's going to allow for thermal heating meaning that emergency blanket is going to fill up with heat from the fire and that heat's going to wrap around you so if you have a place to practice making emergency shelters that can be easily taken down leaving no human imprint it's awesome it, it really it's a great tool to have um it's here i the waterproof matches that i use i get the extended burn they they have the red head on them that it's like almost two inches long and they're coated in wax uh, you can get um, the metallic um, oh shoot what's the name of the metal <laughs> it's right on the tip of my tongue but the metal shavings uh, uh, magnesium shavings on eBay or Amazon you can get like a two pound bag of them you know you can throw a few grams of those in your pocket uh, in a little Ziploc bag or a plastic container and those are great for starting wet wood fires and but yeah practice 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 making a wet wood fire without gasoline without blow torches without anything that you wouldn't have on you in the woods but practice making wet wood fires because in an emergency situation you're allowed to light an emergency fire pretty much anywhere if it's life or death it doesn't matter you're allowed to light that fire might get yelled at for it later but in an emergency situation yes you're allowed to do that so but you don't want to just do it anywhere practicing an old barbecue grill anything but practice making that wet wood fire it will be a lifesaver for you um yeah and that's about it for this episode so uh next episode i'm going to get into equipment uh, things that I like to have in the field and little tips and tricks like the use for the uh, expired or used hand warmers so the equipment I use the bare minimum and uh, yeah just everything that equipment wise for researching that I like to carry in the woods with me so We'll see you next time, folks, and uh, have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy spending time with your family, hopefully, or friends, or friends and family, and we'll see you next time.